0: Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Die Hard Minute, where every day, Monday through Friday, movies by minute hosts talk about one minute of the greatest RV movie of all time, the 1988 John McTiernan-directed Die Hard.
1: I'm Mike Carlucci of Return to Oz Minute.
2: I'm Tierney Steele of Return to Oz Minute and the Neverending Minute.
1: Hey everybody, this is Brad Mendenhall from the Cosmic Geppetto
3: podcast and Minute of Darkness. And this is Jarf from the Cosmic Geppetto podcast and the Minute of Darkness. And we are here tonight to talk about Minute 75 of Die Hard. In our last minute, Minute 74, we met the greatest RV, and in this minute, it's gonna meet its match. So it's a solid minute of tension and anxiety and dropped rocket launchers, and I wanted to pass it on to you Ernie to give the bookends a minute
2: yes minute 75 begins with the end of that overhead shot of the rv approaching nakatomi tower and it ends spoilers if you didn't see this coming with the rv being hit with a rocket dead on the roof big explosion end of minute this really is like (laughs) a little little 60 second more morality play or something all of its
1: own you you get the feeling that this scene would be a very very good student film piece some sort of final final student project at a very very good film school because it it is a little mini movie there's so much tension being built up and all the running and screaming and all the germans yelling at each other it it really is a great beat of a of a scene It, it does tell its own story
3: and it includes one of the one of the tropes of tense situations that you always see and i can never imagine truly happening the we're in such a rush that when we drop something we there's no time you just leave it just leave it just keep on running and go even if it's dangerous military-grade weaponry
2: James's instinct was to go pick it up. So I'm sorry. I'm just going to keep using their names because I'm so proud that I was able to match up what their names were. And I mean, watching this movie through, you don't care what any of these people's names are. I barely got John McClane and Hans Gruber the first time I saw this movie, and I still say Carl Winslow. So you know, I, I, I. This is James and Alexander. They are frantically pushing that trolley with all their might. Uh, Theo's urging them on. And yeah, when a box right. falls off, James goes to pick it up. <laughs> and up to this point, I have been saying like, oh, why didn't I study German so I could tell what Alexander's saying here? And it's like, he says to leave it. I got that much. That, that was not any <laughs> detail. Um, and then they've reached their destination, and you get, like, the frantic building with the coolest bolt thinger that they use to attach the base to the floor so that they can shoot the... And, oh, oh god, I'm sorry, I'm, like, skipping all over the place, but it's literally labeled Launcher. Like, this is amazing. <laughs>
3: and the sound design is so good like the it's like michael came score is awesome it's building up the tension uh, but it, it's really underscoring and there's it's like you really get so much of the texture from when they're assembling that rocket launcher like the bolts really go in there really loudly and then when they cut back to the rv there's that great motor sound and so I, that really jumped out at me in this minute too
2: there are so many cuts in this minute I feel like George Lucas should have been our guest tonight. No offense, Brad.
1: And <laughs> I would take I'll take George Lucas over me. Then we get wipes.
2: Oh, that's true. He wants some wipes. No, I was just thinking like you're right because it does build tension. And I think we mentioned that before, but I'm really glad you brought up the score because this music like your heart is going so fast by the end of this minute. It is ridiculous.
0: Everything really comes together in this in this particular minute to uh, to continue what we were saying last time, like we're talking about the like there's two forces you know, John John McLean isn't even in the picture here. But you've got the you've got the R V, you've got the cops, and you've got the bad guys, and you're just watching them and can't are they gonna get there? Is the R V gonna get there? It all comes together, every single piece of it.
3: And the R V is faceless or up. They only just cut to you seeing the R V driving up. So it's real they're all the emotional beats are are on the bad guy side. Like they, there's the guy who is holding people hostage and just looking out the window, and then the hostages get a little bit too close to him, and then he whips around and he's, says, "Get back, get the bleep back!" and and so you kind of see his tension, and then them scrambling to put together the rocket launcher. So you really feel in a lot more like on the bad guy side. Like you you are rooting for them. Like we were talking about in the last minute to like catch up to the RV. So it's a, it's a very weird pull.
2: I'm glad you mentioned that because there is part of me that wonders how much starting the minute off with that really just gets me like oh this is a big minute like they're breaking out the swear words this is huge and I say that as someone who didn't see Die Hard until I was a full-grown adult so (laughs) it wasn't just the like thrill of Oh, my. <laughs> oh,
3: I, <laughs> yes, I remember that, Phil. I, I, I remember when somebody in t- uh, the early grades of school taught me what the middle finger meant. And it was totally scandalous that I had learned it.
1: Th- that's always a weird moment. And, and I can say as a dad, there, you, you don't want your kids. There's things you just don't want your kids to figure out uh, too soon. Fell in with a bad crowd.
2: My first memory of that is movie related. So it fits in with this area. What was yours?
1: well no w- what's funny is with uh, I-, I can say as a parent you just don't want your kids to figure certain things out and i don't want my son to realize that the middle finger meant something so he got a little cut on his finger and he goes up to my wife and she's flipping her off like mom look at my cut on my finger look at and i'm like no nah, brad be cool Don- don't let him know there's something that he's going to do all the time when he's driving later
2: these are important things to learn and i mean i first saw this movie because my friend insisted i needed to see it and she had seen it at a very young age, So I think we had a slightly different reaction, but yeah, everyone gets wrapped up in this minute because you just can't help yourself. It's like you were saying like i I couldn't even tell you what the music is, but when you're listening to it, it's just perfectly driving everything. And like they're yelling back and forth, and oh, it's great. So you
3: learned names of all of the henchmen? well, like who who who's the who's the big guy that gets shot in the end?
2: Oh, I'd have to look. I haven't with the uh, hair. Uh Blondie?
3: <laughs> He's not in this Yeah, minute. <laughs> Blondie is Carl. Okay.
2: Because the first time I watch it through, like I said, you don't know their names. Blonde guy. Ponytail guy. <laughs> sweater guy. These are this is what you call them. Carl sees to stand up. It is driving me nuts that I cannot put together the name of the guy with the hostages. I don't know who that is. I should be able to by process of elimination, but the diehard Wikia has failed me, guys. Like, this is very traumatizing because it has really, really helped me out in preparing for this project. I know, like, Wikias can get kind of a bad name of, well, they're not official or there's too much information, but when you're trying to, like, analyze a movie that you've only seen a couple times and you're seeing these minutes out of context, it makes a world of difference to be able to just Google that.
3: Well, we like to play a game on the Cosmo podcast um, where we award true believer points um, for folks that can answer those little nuggets of trivia. So I am going to give a thousand true believer points to whoever can name the get back, get the <laughs> bleep back henchman in Die Hard.
2: Yeah, please, please let me know. Also, the line starts, I don't care, get back, get the bleep back. And, like, (laughs) for some reason, that just makes it so much more like, whoa, whoa, this guy is flipping out right now. (laughs) My other big note for this minute that I need to make sure we talk about, even though I know we just started talking, but seriously... How sad are we? So I spent a lot of the last minute defending this RV and telling you guys how cool it is, and that it shouldn't be compared to Batman movies. Now, like that's not this RV's fault. This RV is amazing. It goes up the stairs and gets stuck on the railing. Like it's immediately, what's that called? It's not turtling because that's when you flip over. But like it's just stuck there. Like
3: it kind of pops a wheelie and then it does,
1: and it can't get any farther. Yeah, they had the wrong guy driving the the RV today. It's-
2: literally a sitting duck like even if he hadn't shot it with a rocket what was gonna happen next
1: fred must have just gotten his learner's permit or something because yeah you want to get as much of a straight shot as possible and they're presenting way too good a target even if they didn't have a rocket launcher
2: i mean how many situations do you say that about even if they didn't have a rocket launcher
3: it doesn't come up that often in my life i can't speak for y'all
2: yeah it's been so insane like Screams! I see him when they see the RV when it comes into view and it cuts across the grass divider. Like, this is so exciting. He's screaming, ready, coming, and everyone's going. And then, like, it's just stuck. It's just sitting there while they fire. <laughs> um, Alex uh, For henchmen's names, Alexander is the one who fires while James covers his ears. Oh, can I reverse that? I'd have to look. Um, but the 80s dad in his full house sweater is the one who fires the rocket.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And how about Carl's brother? Uh. With the glasses? Oh. Remember, he's cutting all of the wires. Or he's, like, trying to tie together the wires while Carl is cutting them with a chainsaw.
2: Oh, I don't. Wait. You don't mean Theo. Nope. Okay. I'm gonna have to give back all my points. (laughs) (laughs)
3: That That's happened to me before, so, you know...
2: Easy come, easy go. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. I just have to say, so this is our last minute together. This is Mike and I's last minute on Die Hard Minute. This is such a perfect last few seconds. <laughs> like, maybe that makes me a really, like, bloodthirsty weirdo, or maybe it just makes me a child of the 80s when all these movies came out, <laughs> but... This is, like, yeah yeah the week ends on an explosion.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, I dig it.
0: You want to end with a bang. I mean, not much bigger than that. Though, while we're talking about the uh, the explosion, I think Jarf mentioned the sound of the the rocket launcher coming together when when i when I see some of the some of the props like this, it always makes me remember kind of in the back of my head that most of this ends up being you know painted styrofoam or cardboard or or something like that.
1: Yeah, there's good heft to everything on this set. You're right,
0: and the way the sound the sound works, and uh, it falls off the cart, and uh, you know, like in the middle of the minute, you see them carrying the the base, you know, like the movie theater stanchion kind of thing. Like all of this stuff looks like it weighs a ton, and it it comes off as really believable as part of their effort. Like they look like they're struggling with it, and it falls, and they're like, we can't get it. It's always so so weird to think that. Uh, you know, a kid could have wandered onto the set probably and lifted it up and run around
1: And, and just with this movie it doesn't feel like there's any green screen everything feels very uh, practical um, and it's something that I know back then movies had a lot more practical effects and you had to be uh, a lot stingier with your your sets because you were going to blow them up, you could only do that once um, and it, it had some real stakes to just the, the movie making process
2: I'm really glad you said that, though, about the props, because I hadn't thought of that. And the same thing with the music. I hadn't, like, it's there, but you don't really think about it until you're looking for it, really.
1: The only other thing that I really have is the fact that this minute does feature Wilhelm von Homburg, Vigo, from Ghostbusters
2: Oh, my gosh! Nope. Oh my gosh, you have to tell us all about that because I, so I had looked up all the henchmen's names, I had read their little character bios, and then I was looking, I was about to start looking at actors when Brad said, hey, did you know that guy was Vigo in Ghostbusters 2? I was like, oh, that's crazy. I'll have to look up his IMDb. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. (laughs) I got you covered. So why don't you tell us about this upstanding citizen who's definitely not in hell right now
1: <laughs> well that actor uh, wilhelm von homburg he, he was a prominent bo- german boxer uh the son of a basically nazi youth who was also a very good boxer <laughs> uh and uh, wilhelm his real name norbert group which you know norbert. yeah norbert and apparently he changed his name because he Norbert Group isn't the name of a nasty, evil human being like Wilhelm turned out to be. There's a fantastic story on um, Deadspin about the hateful life and spiteful death of the man who was Vigo, Because that guy is just a real son of a something. Basically son of a Nazi. And uh, <laughs> he's just... The story about just how... By the time he died, he was basically homeless and uh, just a horrible, nasty guy. Um, It was revealed uh, his sister found out late, um, not too long before her father died, and Wilhelm's father died, that actually there was a chance that Wilhelm was actually her brother and also her father because he raped his his, uh, stepmother and might have been his sister's father as well. Um, he, everyone despised him on Ghostbusters 2 because he was so, uh, nasty and unlikable. Uh, also, uh, and you don't hear it very much in Die Hard, but he had, um, when he was in Ghostbusters 2, they had to overdub his, uh, speaking roles because he was pretty punch drunk. And when he would talk, as supposed to was really intimidating, it was just some really slurred, uh, incomprehensible, heavily German-accented uh, vo- speaking voice. So uh, he-, he didn't do a whole lot of acting. They despised him on Ghostbusters 2 because he was so uh, unlikable and so uh, sort of racist and profane and sexist. So, you know, he- he- but this is one of his other roles was just yelling a lot of Schnell, Schnell and, you know, whatever German is for Leave It There. So it was just crazy. He's like, oh my God, it's Vigo. <laughs>
3: Yes, it was very disturbing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That puts a whole new spin on Ghostbusters too. Like I'm not gonna lie. It was that was already not a good guy, but and I thought he must be crazy, but I started Googling and I very quickly realized, Oh no, oh no, oh no Yeah, that was an excellent poll for uh for this. And I think it uh goes back to our we're trying not to root
1: for the bad guys here. <laughs> no, no, he's just a fascinating character and somebody who, if you have a chance, check out The the Hateful Life and the Spiteful Death on Deadspin. It's a great article, and they have talks of him throughout his life, and he's been a, just a, a terrible human being forever, and they showed picture, a video of him from, like, the 60s when he was a German boxer, and him being interviewed after losing a fight, and you could see he wouldn't even answer questions, and you could tell he wanted to get up and punch the small man that was interviewing him. And, uh, just a, a great, tense interview to watch, because this is a person who would very much like to just punch people who irritated him.
2: So, so you're saying, not actually typecast, just true to type. And we have to end on a happier note. My goodness, we cannot end up <laughs> exactly
3: <way>. It's not... <laughs> It might be hard to pivot to truly happy, but I don't think it's going to be tough to do oh, happier. Because yes! just about every story ever is happier than that one, Brad. That is an project.
2: excellent point. An excellent point. Um, I was going to ask, I couldn't remember if we had talked to you guys about kind of when you first saw Die Hard, what your experience was or anything. Because I know I've talked about mine a lot and I feel kind of bad that I've monopolized things.
0: Probably the less desirable outcome of the two.
3: No, not at all. And to, in our last minute, I did share the story of seeing this movie with my mom and how upset she was about the property destruction, and, and you expressed <laughs> some concern funny. that That's she may right. be having a lot more trouble with, with, say, Michael Bay movies, which are just basically the last second of our minute, but a whole movie of it. <laughs>
1: And for me, the whole thing when first seeing the movie it was just how insane it was that, you know, there was comedian Bruce Willis, who was the funny guy who was never tough in Moonlighting.
3: Well, speaking of funny guy, funny guy, Bruce Willis, this time period, where do you all fall on Hudson Hawk? Just a quick thumbs up, thumbs down Hudson Hawk.
2: I have a neutral, not seen thumb for Hudson Hawk.
3: You haven't seen Hudson Hawk? Oh, my God. How about you, Mike?
0: I, I have never seen it. I I had heard of it, but I did not know Bruce Willis was involved. That's all I know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I knew it existed.
2: <laughs> you know what you don't know. That's the first step.
3: <laughs> well, the charming tone that that gives Die Hard its heart that Bruce Willis brings. So Hudson Hawk is him really rolling with that and in a movie with an overall silly tone. So it's, it's him as this quirky jewel thief or something. So, and I would recommend checking it out.
2: Well, in, in the first sentence of the uh, summary is, all he wants is a nice cappuccino. So <laughs> I, I could see that.
3: I, I would venture a guess that it has a, a very low Rotten score.
1: Well, well the, the, uh, one thing that I've used as a description is uh, the, the movie Baby Driver that just came out. Uh, imagine if Baby Driver was terrible, and then you have Hudson <laughs> Hawk. Because both movies use the same plot device, where instead of using you know, a watch to time out their heists, instead the main character uses music and knows how long songs are, and goes by the music to gauge uh, when they need to be at the end, of, when, when they need to escape. And Edgar Wright, the director of Baby Driver, actually mentioned that device being used in Hudson Hawk as well.
3: Exactly. And Brad and I have talked on our podcast in the past about bad movies that have that one great scene in them. And the the scene where they're using the song to time their robbery is just that type of scene because it, it, there's just great rapport between the characters. They're singing swing on a star and it's it's just they're smiling through the whole through the whole scene i would just google that hudson hawk swing on a star and you're going to get a little flavor for this for the movie
2: nice that was one of my favorite surprises when i did finally see die hard is that die hard isn't that movie because so for a lot of action movies there there is always like that funny scene or that great scene and like a good action sequence and what I really love is how many little perfect moments there are in this movie, like it, the the exchange, uh, the yippee, the face he makes when he says yippee kaye, eh. um, uh, Al Pal, uh, his uh, Carl Winslow rolling his eyes. There are just so many great like reactions to things in this movie and little moments that. The candy bar thievery. Um, this, like we said, this is like 60 seconds of its own little movie. There are so many good bits that make up Die Hard.
3: Well, maybe to wrap up as you wanted to on a happier note, what is everybody's like favorite little bit of Die Hard? And, and just to give mine, the first one that jumped into my head is when... The FBI agents are running towards the tower, and they've built them up to be these real macho tough guys. And then one of them gets cut on a thorn in one of the bushes, and like, "Ouch! Oh, ouch!"
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. I think probably,
0: probably Carl's first, first scene, uh, just not knowing that that you're gonna see Carl Winslow in the movie, and he's, you know, grabbing through, grabbing through snacks, and you're like, and he's dressed as a cop. And if you, you know, if you grew up seeing Family Matters first, you're like, oh, well, this is perfect.
3: That's the scene where he's like, like, let me get one Twinkie. Now, how about two, three, and that kind of thing?
0: Yeah. And I think he says, like, oh, you know, they're, they're for my wife. You know, she's pregnant. And the guy just
1: looks at him like, oh, no, she isn't. Yeah, because Winslow got that to Zeke by buying candy for his wife. <laughs>
2: How about you, Brad? You
1: got a favorite? <laughs> I love this scene and it's not as a funny scene, but I just loved it when you it re, is revealed that Bruce Willis knew Alan Rickman was Hans or at least one of the bad guys the whole time because up until that point the you know Hans and his guys they're the smart ones and Bruce Willis is just the, the tough guy staying one step ahead. But he actually it really showed, it's like, no, he, he actually outsmarts them, and, and he was a little more clever in that scene, and that that was uh, very satisfying to me because it's not just that Bruce Willis is a tough guy who can take a beating, he's actually a good cop and pretty clever and a smart guy in this sort of street smart situation. So I, I love that where Alan Rickman's being his, his Alan Rickmanist and uh, is being all smug and condescending that he, you know, tricked this stupid American, and then Bruce Willis is like, you know, has the bullets and he's going to. <laughs> beat the crap out of hans and that was very satisfying
2: (laughs) um well i'm torn so i have my favorite definitely from doing this project which is they're shooting the lights and then the world's greatest (laughs) eye roll i think um just because it's so like it is that old like vaudeville like you can feel the comedic beats but it's still so satisfying like that it does pay off but I do remember, I would have to go through and watch the whole movie again, because I can't remember where it is, but the limo. I remember the first time I saw this movie, I was practically, like, crying at one point, laughing. But now that I'm sitting here in 2017, I don't remember what that was! <laughs> Something about the limo, I, I think just, oh uh, gosh, I don't remember when it was, like...
3: Was it one of Argyle's Lines?
2: It had to be. I almost wonder if it's when he's like talking to the teddy bear in there or something. I just remember it like absolutely floored me the first time I saw it. Um, but I've come to appreciate a lot more of the like. Because there are a lot of lines that are iconic from this, but I've come to appreciate a lot more the reaction shots. Like, they're shooting at the lights, it's only funny because of Carl Winslow. And um even there's stuff I was talking about earlier in the TV studio, where like there's kind of like a waterfall domino effect of people looking at each other, and I'm like, it's stuff like that that I think really holds up, even though it's silent. It just really like knocks you for a loop.
3: <laughs> I want a Twinkie, and I want to blow something up with a rocket.
2: Launch. Now I want some Twinkies, and I blame you guys. <laughs>
3: Well, thank you so much for inviting Brad and I to join you for these minutes. This has been a ton of fun.
2: Oh, my God. Thanks for joining us.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, th- thanks for, for coming on. This
0: has been a good good couple of minutes. We, and we got a good couple of minutes.
2: Before we start our little wrap-up for Die Hard, do you guys want to tell people where they can find you, how they can find you, what they should expect when they find you? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, you should expect more of this fun. Um, and you can find me personally on Twitter at Jeffrey Harden. And that's Jeffrey with the GEO, like the giraffe from Toys R Us. And then you can find both of us and hear us talk about movies, comics, music, whatever else we feel like on the Cosmic Pedo
2: podcast. And um, what was your guys' Movies by Minutes project? I know, that was a lead in. <laughs>
3: That was Minute of Darkness, and that is studying the film Army of Darkness by Minute.
1: A really fun show, and it has wrapped up, so if you, you haven't been listening to it, you can download the whole thing and just spend a weekend. An excellent choice.
2: I guess I'll plug our podcast. Well, well for me, I will say uh, you should also look up The NeverEnding Minute. It is on moviesbyminutes.com where you'll also find Minute of Darkness, Star Wars Minute, A Million Other Minutes, and Return to Oz Minute, which is where Mike and I hail from.
0: Yeah, you can find us at uh, com or com. If that's confusing, you'll have to listen to, like, 70 episodes, but you'll get it. (laughs) And we're Oz Minute on Twitter, Facebook, the... Return to Oz Minute, Listener's Flying Sofa is our group. You can join. We lift the velvet rope for everyone. It's just a button. And there's a there's an Instagram, Oz Minute. There's certainly by now lots of great content there.
2: If you think, yeah, I've had enough of these two clowns and you're just here for the Die Hard, you can find more at DieHardMinute.com, on Twitter at DieHardMinute, and on Facebook, which they also have a listeners group, the Podcast Listeners Limo. So I'm assuming that's the same deal. Be a person. Come join and talk. You realize the next minute of Die Hard Minute is going to start with an explosion. So it will literally be an exciting minute of Die Hard. <laughs> there are no doubts about that. I personally haven't watched minute 76 in a while, but I'll bet it's pretty choice. So definitely tune in next Monday to get your next fix for Die Hard Minute. Tell me you got that.
1: I got it. I got it. Hit your heart on Channel 5.